0: Hello everybody and welcome to mom of the hard kid. The other day I referenced a book written by Nancy Thomas. It's called when love is not enough. We're going to be going through this book today. I love this book and I referenced it because it was referenced in the letter, the open letter to the teachers for children with reactive attachment disorder And it is a very informative book. Now, when you first look at the book, you're like, oh, it kind of gives off this look like it was printed off in someone's house. (laughs) Just not have a very professional look to it. Don't let that fool you. There's a lot of good information inside here. I also kind of want to brace you for the fact that this book is a strict book. So if you have a hard time with strict things, know that you're probably going to have a hard time with this book. But I don't have a hard time with strict things. I think it's been very beneficial to my child who has reactive attachment disorder. But if you have a child who has reactive attachment disorder, I really recommend this book. Now, this book was written in 2005. And when you go to buy it on Amazon, it costs $46 right now. So I'm just gonna say I did not get mine on Amazon. I got mine at a secondhand store. I got mine at thrift books. Um, But it is a it's worth it's worth kind of looking into and seeing where you can get it. It's a good book. So she has the book split into a couple of categories. And the first part is where she describes reactive attachment disorder. And the second part is where she talks about the solutions. Now, when you are looking at reactive attachment disorder, it is very rare that you will find a book that has something someone would consider a solution. You often hear about the intense stories or you hear like weird takes from professionals who obviously don't really know what they're talking about or or just are slightly off in their understanding because they're not directly related. But this book is written by a mother who had children in her home with reactive attachment disorder. And there is on the very, very front part of the cover, she has reviews or, or things people have written about the book. And there's one that sort of stuck out to me. And it's by Beth M from Bucksport, Maine. And she writes... Written wonderfully with information so needed for anyone working with these kids. I have a 12 year old son who lived with me for two years before anyone had a clue what was wrong. If we had your quote stuff back then, all of our lives it would have been much easier. I'm passing it around as I know it many, I know of many it will be helpful to. It is a gift to many. And I thought about this in my own life where I really wish I had had an understanding, a better understanding, when other kids in foster care had passed through my home. And even when I first got my daughter, I wish I'd known. When you go through foster care training, they do have you read other books. And one of the ones I've already reviewed was The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog. But this one, I think, should be the one, (laughs) And there's a couple of others that are really short where they're like, no, this is what reactive attachment disorder is. It's this. And you can take a couple of the chapters out of the boy who was raised as a dog. And of course, I've already said some comments about that. And I think these would be more eye opening than some of the other books that they had us read. So the first thing she does is she goes through understanding reactive attachment from a parent's perspective and a child's perspective. And then she talks about the signs and the symptoms of reactive attachment disorder. And I really love the child's perspective. So in this, she has her, someone named Beth, who is at this time, a 15 year old healed reactive attachment and attention deficit disorder child so she writes this letter she talks about how she felt during those times and i think this is really insightful because i think a lot of kids with reactive attachment disorder tend to still be so angry that they don't provide good information for a very long time so this is really nice she <laughs> she has this part that i just relate to <laughs> So there's, I'm going to read this paragraph that she writes. To every other person, I was charming. I was a charming, adorable child with big blue eyes. How could this child be disturbed? She's just a little girl. Yeah, just a little girl with a solid rock for a heart. Just a little girl with rage smoking from my ears. But no, that can't be. She's so sweet when she's with us. She's just fine. Oh, yeah, I'm just fine because you're too blind to see what I can do to you. Yeah, I'm so shy and so angelic. What could ever be wrong at home? End quote. Okay. Oh, and I'm going to skip down to this just a few sentences and begin again. Quote, Now you don't start to love me or you will get the power of my wrath. You too will know what I hide so well from the outside world. If you love me, I will die. No, 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 right? So then I'm going to continue in another section. No, actually, just the next one. (laughs) Because it makes me laugh because I can relate to it so much. Quote Babysitters were no match for me. I was a five year old 30 pound terror. They would do anything to get me to shut up or calm down. Anything. I would lie, and say my mommy and daddy hated me, and that they didn't care. And when they sent me to bed, I would howl and holler for my mommy. Of course, I didn't care whether my mommy lived or died. Actually, I did care. I cared if she lived. I didn't want her to live. If she lived, I would die. End quote. So it's just a really that is exactly how they act. That's exactly how you think that they're thinking. So to have that confirmed by an actual child who felt that way was, was just a piece of the puzzle that I needed in my life. Because when you're coming at these kids, you can't believe how uh i can't use a different term the term i can think of is psychotic how psychotic they come across how they can be one person in one room and another person in a different room and how how you get like the pure vitriol and hatred just oozing out of them towards you and you think am i the crazy one <laughs> like am i nuts that this is how i'm viewing this child No, you're not nuts. This child is so hurt inside and so busted that they really are doing all these things. So in chapter four, she talks about the signs and symptoms of attachment disorder. Now, these are great. I think that there are a lot of connections between this and a different um, list that I gave earlier where they talk, she just talks about superficial, avoiding eye contact, indiscriminately affectionate with strangers, abnormal eating patterns, which is one that we didn't really have in our experience, where the kids will either starve themselves or gorge themselves. It has often, from what I understand, is rooted in like controlling a situation. Um, Because when it comes to control, these kids are quite intense about having control. Lying, manipulation. um, It says here on number 15, normal people talk for two reasons, to communicate thoughts or feelings. Attachment disorder kids talk for three reasons, to interrupt, make noise, or to control. They do not use language to connect. They use it to manipulate and play games. They use jabbering nonsense questions pop out lots. this shouldn't be as comforting to me as it is. But it is because the whole day and when I say whole day, I literally mean whole day will be filled with ticks and pops and talking and jabbering and songs and singing. And, and I think some of it, though, I do think some of it is like, when you self console yourself and you like tap your foot or your pen, I think some of it really is that. But there are times when I'm trying to talk and and everything just gets way louder and way bigger and all the things. So <clears throat> the next section in chapter five is therapy for t- the attachment disorder. Okay, so she talks about you know finding if your therapist is good because. <laughs> And this was also really wonderful because she talks about how your child, because of the manipulation and the skills there, they can take over the therapy. So again, I'm just going to recommend to all of you that the parent always be in the therapy. If you have a reactive attachment, any attachment disorder with your child and you are not included in that therapy, then your therapist has no clue what they're talking about. Now there might be some some circumstances especially when the child is quite old and they're about to transition out of the house that there might be some exceptions to that but you you should be there and i loved when she just confirmed this and she says the purpose of therapy is to help the child face their issues to reconnect the mother and the child and she writes here it should take about 1 month per year of age to help your child heal i disagree with that. I, I think it's much, 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 much more than that. <laughs> but I do think that in my experience, we've had a lot of healing and I do believe it happens because I remember when we first went to therapy and my daughter is three years old and the therapist like says, give me one year. I think in one year, things will be better. And I just didn't believe her. I thought there's no way you can heal this. There's no way. I was like, I don't even know why I'm here. I just don't feel like anything could heal. And yet we did. I th- I think it probably took more than a month and a half. I mean, a year and a half to to get to a point where I noticed some stuff. And I could see some changes. So I don't think it was like a month per year. I don't think that's correct. But I suppose every kid is going to be different, right? So she talks about one of the worst forms of therapy. And I love this. So she says that one of the worst forms of therapy for attachment disorder, ADHD, or Tourette syndrome is time. If your therapist tells you that you should outgrow these behaviors, or that if you just wait, then no your child is going to fall into this pit. And she talks about this, about how you're not don't wait. If your child is three, go to therapy. If your child is four, go to therapy. If your child is anything, go to therapy. Because at this point, their minds are still more trainable. I think every mind is trainable. I really do. I don't have experience with an older reactive attachment disorder child, though I have one with a younger one. But She talks about Wesley, who is age 12 and still healing from ADHD and reactive attachment disorder. And he talks about therapy and he says, my first therapist was very soft and gentle therapist who didn't want to get down to the core. It was talk therapy. She got to nothing Every time she thought we were making progress, I was just manipulating her. I was just lying and manipulating. Manipulating, like lying, fake crying, trying to tell her what she wanted to hear. She didn't know it was fake crying because I was really good at it. (laughs) End quote. So, oh my gosh, you guys. (laughs) This is just a great book for any of you guys who know what that's like to sit there and say... I know my child is crying. You don't know that that is fake crying because it really comes across really nicely. Now that my child is healing, her fake cry is actually more fake than it used to be. And I don't know why. I don't know what it is, but her manipulation just isn't so pointed, I suppose. And so it's actually a little easier. Maybe I'm just used to it, but it seems a little obvious, more obvious than it used to. But When your child is in the thick of it, oh my goodness, you are, (laughs) you just look like the worst person because these guys have amazing skills. So she goes into more issues. So she talks about education. She talks about earning their own money. And one of the reasons I think, just to put it in a broad nutshell, is I think these kids need to learn the consequences. We've talked before about how they live in the moment. They need to learn that there's a future. They need to learn that if they choose an action, there's a consequence to that action. We've had a lot of good luck talking about those things, but really a bulk of her learning has come from the fact that she's experienced negative outcomes it's really critical that you let them experience negative outcomes. So and learning about money <laughs> right now, as soon as mine gets money, she wants to spend it and she will talk your ear off until she's spent it and to try and teach her that she can't get the things that she wants because she's spent the money already is a critical lesson that's better to give somebody when they're little and they have a support structure than when they're old and they don't. So on chapter eight, she talks about removing barriers between you and your child. And this is really interesting because she talks about how sometimes you, you put things, physical things in between you and your child so that you don't have to, to worry about them. But she also talks about attempting to buy your child's love. And I have a child who I think her love language is gifts. (laughs) I've never had one of those. It is not my love language. I don't care about gifts. But I think it's hers. And so it does get really hard to not be like, if I just buy you this present, then maybe you'll be nice this week. Like it's, (laughs) it's really hard not to do that. And she says, stop spending money and spend time instead. It is a much wiser investment. And I really do believe that. It even though it's, it's hard. So removing barriers between you and your child such as television video games radios and a walkman don't forget this was made in 2004 so a walkman so they are used to tune out relationships and i would add in myself that i think i would i would never give my child something that they could delve into like that like their own screen their own ipad their own anything Because you are just sending them back into their own cave of self. And that's not going to heal that child. But she talks about furniture and how disturbed children often wreck things. So if you have expensive furniture, she's like, replace them with secondhand thrift stuff. And we haven't had a big problem with furniture. I guess her bed, she chewed her bed completely, completely ruined her all the wood on her bed and her crib. She had a lot of chewing issues, but they talk about toothpaste, shampoo and toilet paper and things that are easily uh, wasted by a child. And so how you have to just either reframe the fact that you're going to be losing all of this stuff or learn a method to deal with all of this stuff now, this is really interesting because she talks about your child's friends becoming a barrier. And having control of your child's friends is really difficult, especially as your child gets older. But I never really thought of it as a barrier to my relationship. I was always like, okay, just run off, be with your friends. But to to know that when you have a child like this, this is not... A typical child. This is a child who has mental illness that was brought on by a certain set of circumstances. And if you allow this child to dodge the healing process, you are doing nothing beneficial for that child. So when she says, she talks about friends being a problem, I actually, I could see how that would be so. It doesn't really seem the case in our situation. We don't have a lot of, we don't have a lot of kids in our neighborhood, but... Yeah, I can definitely see how that was. (sighs) Chapter nine, avoid the wrong battles and win the war against rage. (laughs) When this was just, this is just such a great chapter, because she talks about how your child doesn't want to comb their hair, or they don't want to take a bath or and then she gives like a bunch of options about what you could do instead. Because sometimes when you're so flustered, it's nice to have These options. But I do, it's true. There becomes a point where you have to really pick what you're going to let slide and what you're going to focus on because there's too much stuff to pick everything. So when she goes through this and talks about different options and different things, then it's really, it's, it could be a really helpful thing. And she talks about consequences and holidays and how. There are different holidays that are really hard. I think here, okay, she talks about anniversaries. So date of adoption or a major move or injury or trauma, you will be surprised. And those of you who have a reactive attachment child can see that when there is a special holiday or a special time of year, it can be alone, just incredibly hard for your child. And they will turn into a terror, just because it's a particular time of year. Because back in their head, something happened in that time of year, and they hate it. And they're so discombobulated inside their brain, that just having that time of year will trigger all of their bad emotions. So she's like, (laughs) smells of Christmas can start a turmoil inside a child who was moved at Christmas time documentation, and observation may be needed in order to ascertain what is provoking the child, end quote. So to have an awareness of what could be triggering your child is also really good advice. She has in the end some appendices where you kind of do little quizzes on attachment disorders, depression, PTSD of secondary trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder of its own. And she has these little things that you can go through and sort of test your child and see what they have. I, I just think this book is so full of just raw, basic information that can be quite, I don't know, solidifying to what you feel I don't know of anybody who has in any of the times this book has been brought up in parent support groups that anyone has ever disliked this book. Now I can understand if you approach it and you're like, oh, I don't agree with everything and that's fine. But I just think that she brings it in a very basic and raw option and provides outlines to get you to sort of understand maybe where your child is coming from because she seems to write this book in a very non-judgmental way towards the children and sometimes when you're in the thick of all of the yuck with your child it's nice to have a non-judgmental side because I can assure you sometimes I'm super super judgmental in regards to all these feelings that come up. But there it is. That is our book review of When Love Is Not Enough by Nancy L. Thomas. And I put it as a highly recommend. I also think it's a great resource for your really close friends and family if they are like participating in raising this child. So if the child goes over to them for babysitting or if they are a common visitor, I highly recommend this book but I mostly recommend it to parents. I just think it's really good for those who are actually caregiving to some child who has reactive attachment disorder or disinhibited social engagement disorder. Well, thanks for coming along today and reviewing this book. I hope you have a great day.